Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. Uh, I'm running host this week. I'm Carter McKenzie. I'm here with two new team members joining us here over at Hunt, Lift, Eat. I'm here with Bill Collins and Tyler Jensen. What's going on, guys? What's up? Hey, what's going on, Carter? Yeah, happy to have you guys here. Thanks for meeting me this evening. Um, I know we're wrapping up interviews for this new expansion we're making into the Hunt, Lift, Eat team member program, and we're stoked to have you guys and uh, y'all instantly drew my eye with your interviews with those big giant deer you got hanging behind you. Um, thought maybe we could <laughs> have some things in common we could talk about. Um, I've already hit up Tyler talking to him about mule deer too, and he's just as obsessed with mule deer as I am. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, cool, man. Tyler, why don't you go ahead and kick us off this week uh, with some of your tips you got? Yeah, so I'm just going to hit on a couple things that I, I look for or I look at when I'm looking for mule deer. Um, obviously, they're not everywhere. A lot of, you know, you guys are in the East Coast, so I grew up there. We obviously don't have mule deer there, but um, living in Montana for the last five years, I did, you know, do quite a bit of mule deer hunting. And the first thing I look for is obviously habitat. You know, regardless if it's a deer, elk, bear, they need three things. They need food, shelter, and water. So I'll look for, you know, green grassy hillsides or uh, coolies. But again, you know, the water is a big deal. If, there, if the area doesn't hold any water out west, it can be pretty dry. So if it doesn't hold any water, um, there's probably not going to be any animals there. So that's a huge thing I look for. I try to find, you know, pieces of water that aren't necessarily like lakes or big rivers, you know, kind of small little pockets that usually holds some good amount of deer. Uh, another big portion I look for is, is, is terrain. You know, I, I like to get up on the high vantage points, you know, set myself up either on a, a big hillside um, or, you know, a basin that holds three, three big ridges or three basins. Um, you know, that's going to be your key to finding good deer because these deer, they don't just wander around all sing all day. You know, we've had instances where, we're glassing this one basin for hours upon hours. And next thing you know, buddy goes, Oh, you know, hour three, we're in it. He says, Oh, there's the deer right there. And they've been sitting in front of us for three hours. And so, you know, you really got to get a good set of glass and you got to have patience, you know, you got to move slow. These deer will hunker down and hang out until it's time to move in the later evenings and the bigger bucks, they move early morning, late evenings. Um, you know, the rut's a little different, you know, with the rut happening, you can find does, and I just recommend sitting on does all day. You know, if, the, if it's, it's high intensity rut, if you see does, stay there because the bucks will come. You know, I've, there's they may not be the big massive shooter you're looking for, but that that amount of deer, you know, they have a lot of sand out there and the deer, they will come to you. So um, a lot of things, you know, like I said, <clears throat> slow down. You know, there's there's a lot of country out here, a lot of places to look. So when you're looking at basins you want to really get nitpicking and start looking at blow down trees or timber pockets and just look for the small things look for an ear that's flickering or uh, a tail that moves or maybe uh, an, an antler that shakes a weird way when it's moving its head you know you're not gonna for the most part you're not gonna just be like oh there's one and it's standing out in the middle of the open you really got to be good at being patient and just having the discipline to sit behind glass which you know it does suck sitting there all day if it's cold you're just glassing 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 and it's it's fucking miserable at sometimes, but you just get a good set of snacks and you just sit there and you just, you just glass. Um, as far as a lot of people are like, Oh, we should scout or whatever. The mule deer are migratory. So yes, you can scout. I, I don't necessarily scout for mule deer in particular. I usually just look at terrain features where I know I've seen deer in, in the past. Um, 
you know, early season, they're going to be a little bit higher. And in late season, you know, they're going to be kind of low chasing, chasing does. So yeah, as far as mule deer, I mean, it's the biggest thing is glass all day. Make sure you have a good set of glass, have patience and just be able to have the gear to sit there because there are times in Montana where it's zero degrees and it's windy and it sucks, but you know, you can't shoot them from the couch. So that's the biggest thing for me. No, that's all good stuff, man. I've only hunted them twice and I am hooked just like you are. I feel like I got the same kind of itch to just think about mule deer all the time. And maybe it's because we don't have them in Georgia, but the only times I've hunted them is on a general tag in Wyoming and it's in October. Yeah. And October is a tough month. That is a tough month to hunt <laughs> mule deer. It is real easy to find does, but the bucks don't want to play, man. And it's finding does is great. And I got, you know, I feel like I trained my game eye differently, at least like you were talking about. It's so hard to find them. They just blend in so well. But every time I did find an ear or see a butt, it was always a doe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they can be, they're, they're tricky and infuriating sometimes. Yeah. A lot of things, you know, I hunted over in Western, uh, Eastern Montana this past year and, uh, we just kind of found these, these coolies and there was a big, you know, handful of them. And we pretty much just got to the top of them and just sat at each one for about an hour and a half, two hours and just glassed them and made them and just looked. And, you know, the first two coolies, we found some does and we're like, Oh, we'll sit here and watch them. And they kind of meandered off. And then it wasn't until we actually almost decided to just, you know what, this is kind of a, a bus. Let's get out of here. And I just had the key. I'm like, let's go look at the the next, just one more. You know, my curiosity, I always say is going to kill me in the woods one day. Cause I just can't help it. The next ridgeline, I'm like, what's <laughs> over there. But, you know, happened to be, um, go down there. My buddy, Jim, he shot, a or he's, you know, he helps guide down in Arizona. So he's, he's really good at spotting coos deer. So mule deer ain't, ain't no joke to him. So he says, Oh, I see, I see some does. And I put the spotter up and we found this really nice buck that he ended up shooting in a, you know, it just happened to be just one more coolie, and it was, he was way down there and he was tucked in underneath some stuff. So, you know, you really got to be patient with looking at everything and just, man, I, I don't know how many times, like I said, we've, we've been looking at a, a hillside or a, a coolie all day and you just one spot that you've looked over four times. And then for some reason they shift their body and boom, they stand out like a sore thumb. You're like, there he is. He's been there the whole time. What are we doing? <laughs> it's part of the whole fun of it too. Yeah. You go through a lot of snacks for sure. You know, I've, I've, I've hunted around quite a bit and, uh, had the opportunity to be on some other hunts as we're, you know, chasing after muleys, uh, had the opportunity to live in Nevada for a little bit and chase some monsters there with some, some guys out there. And, you know, little tips is, is, you know, looking in those coolies, like you said, but, um, big thing that they, you know, they were trying to teach me was, is, Hey, look, you know, when they're, where they're betting, you know, out there, when you're talking about that, that high desert, a uh, little bit different terrain type of stuff, you know, how do you find them in that, you know, instead of the thick stuff, like you find in Wyoming and, uh, Montana. And they were always talking about, Hey, you see these, these bushes or these little trees. If you see like they're trimmed, almost look like a lollipop. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, nah, these guys are actually bedding right under that. They're just used to like, this is where they hunker down. They eat, eat on that little sapling right there, that little bush. And it's just like they almost hollow it out because these things will just tuck right up in there and you cannot find them glass for four hours. And all of a sudden, boom, they're standing right there. They've been there the whole time, you know? So, I mean, I know I grew up on the East coast and up settling here, you know, in Kansas chasing, you know, where the big boys room right now, but, uh, same tactics, uh, you know, I've, what I've, I've taken from the West to bring back here to the Midwest is, is, uh, good glass, 
get out there because here, you know, for whitetails, same as muleys, we're, we're looking over big expansive areas and, you know, trying to really, you know, a lot of CRP fields, same thing. So muleys, whitetails uh, out in the Midwest, same type, because believe it or not, Western Kansas, huge muleys. Uh, and so it all depends on geographically, where are you located? Uh, you know, so, you know, some guys doing what they're doing in Montana and Wyoming it may be a little bit different down here in Kansas, or it may be a little different in Arizona or compared to uh, Nevada. So your tactics definitely have to change for a degree of geographical location you're sitting at. Uh, but good glass, patience, patience, patience. I mean, that's what I've found that's uh, paid off for me a lot. What I've noticed too, I don't know if you're still recording, but um, yeah, I will. So while I'm out elk hunting, um, this past year I was, I was hunting with a couple guys who were, you know, were pretty good at mule deer hunting and they've been born and raised in Montana. So they were, I was just being a sponge, like telling me everything that you know and like little things that I need to look for. And, and with one guy was telling me that, you know, you'll, you'll see these beds up on these rock croppings, you know, with a perfect, you know, sort of back, like a, a rock face or, or a cliff. And underneath it, you'll just see these beds. And what he said is that, you know, these mule deer were used the same beds year round. And so they just hunker up behind them to have some sort of protection from, you know, something coming up from behind them. And then like where they're looking is you could, I mean, if you stand in their bed, you can see an entire basin. You know, they're not stupid. Obviously the big bucks, whether it's whitetails or mule deer, you know, they don't get big just because they're lucky, but um, they do know how to prevent themselves from being put into situations of getting eaten by either mountain lions, bears, or even hunted by us. So, um, you know, when you're looking at terrain to hunt, you want to look at those rock faces and glass them up, especially in the early season. They don't want to be out in the sun, neither do I. So they're going to be hunkered underneath some stuff in the shade and they'll sit there all day and they might just get up for the last part to go get some water. And then the next morning they'll come right back up. So, um, that was a cool little tip that he gave me. So now this year, well, last year when I shot, uh, the buck over my shoulder there, he was, he was bedded in a spot where I've elk hunted before, but I just had never really thought about looking at it. And it was a perfect bed. I mean, the dust was all kicked up and it was a, it was a perfect mule deer bed. And then that, that same week I found another buck, um, looking for elk and he was in the same scenario, you know, a perfect bed underneath a rock outcropping, looking over this entire drop. Just scanning. Yep. I mean, it, and I, yeah, that's cool. You know, if I had two deer tags, I, I, perfectly but accidentally walked up right behind him and he had no i was here i was there he was 40 yards away just sitting there so um God. yeah and and you That's know so cool. spawn stock uh, this year i'm hoping you know i got lucky with the buck that i shot this year just because it just so happened to be i was just out there and he was but um i wanted my one of my goals is to shoot a really nice muley with some velvet on it and so that'll be you know early september about first week or f- first week of hunting there so the first weekend here in Montana. And that's going to be my goal to just try to find some, uh, some areas where I can find some bucks and put a good stock on them. And yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that's great, man. And you and I have already talked offline about me making my first trip to Montana and you've been incredibly helpful helping, helping out with that. Yeah. Um, Bill, you want to hit us with, uh, your t- uh, tip this week? Yeah, sure. So a tip this week uh, is just really paying attention geographically where you are. You know, as I was saying earlier, I don't know if it, before I cut out, uh, what your tactics may be in one state may be different for, you know, others. So 
uh, big thing for Kansas. You know, you got a lot of open prairie grass. What a lot of, you know, folks don't know is, is uh, we've over the past, I'd say five to 10 years have really picked up on some big muleys in Western Kansas. Uh, you know, and, and it's drawable by non-residents, it's drawable by residents here. So, uh, you know, don't think you can't do that. So when that Kansas straw comes out, be prepared. Uh, there is some big boys in Rome here. I, you know, I got a close friend of mine uh, whose daughter, uh, you know, her boyfriend are out in western Kansas, even though he lit. Uh, and then my buddy lives in Missouri. He drew a tag. They're going out there and killing 170, 180 inch muleys. And they're like, hey, where are we at? Are we in Arizona? Are we in, you know, we in Kansas. So, uh, like I was saying earlier, your tactics, you know, uh, Tyler hit on a lot of good things. You know, you're talking glass, 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 patience, patience, patience. So stick with that, um, you know, and just understand it. If you can, if you can glass them into junipers, you can glass them into grass and just uh, have that patience about you. So take your time, find some solid glass that will help you throughout the whole time and stick with that glass. Yeah, it's just a waiting game, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, those are those are really good tips, man. And I guess I wanted to ask you, Tyler, do I am I going to need to pick up a spot and scope before I head out to Montana? No, no, I got that. Um, spot right. and scope will be just fine. Yeah, I'll carry that around, and hopefully by the time you come out, <laughs> I won't have any tags left, so I'll just be out there being your pack mule and your eyesight. So, but you know, you know how hunting season goes. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I want, man. That's what <laughs> yeah. I want. No, that's good. That's good. I don't know if I'm at spotting scope level mule deer yet. I'm more like, uh, hey, that looks that looks way bigger than a North Georgia whitetail. I'm in. <laughs> I'm about it. Yeah, trust me, they're pretty <laughs> deceiving. Uh, sometimes you'll see a buck and it's you think it's a monster, and then you get a little bit closer and you put the glass on him again. You're like, oh, he's a three year old. You know, he's he's decent. You know, he's got good genetics, but yeah. he's decent. You know, there's definitely bigger ones yeah. in here. Yeah. Well, all hunters are really good at talking themselves into older age classes, right? Oh, for sure. Oh, he was, I didn't get a shot and he was a 170 inch. He was massive. Yeah. Okay. Five and a five and a half year old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I bet. Cool. All right. Let me jump into my tip real quick and, and round it out here. Um, mine kind of ties in with what Bill was talking about, but a little different verbiage. Um, he was talking about, you need to know where you're at geographically. Mine applies in the same way, except you need to know the vocabulary for where you're at geographically. Um, a lot of people who are new to Western hunting, um, the verbiage when you jump into this pool it's like jumping into the deep end with weights around your ankles each state has a bunch of different tag types and it is the hunter's responsibility to understand the nuances and the verbiage of those tag types okay um if you get on a facebook forum a hunting forum and you go on there and you make a post thinking you're gonna you know say what are some good units in wyoming or colorado for OTC mule deer hunts, you are going to get eaten alive on that Facebook post. <laughs> your, your soul will be crushed. Okay. <laughs> People are far more willing to help you out. If you don't, I guess I should preface this by saying it's okay. If you don't know everything, that's cool. But like do some research first, show a little bit of effort, a little bit of initiative before reaching out and, and asking for help. Uh, people are far more willing to help you out when you've covered a little ground by yourself. Um, and, and secondly, over the counter mule deer hunts for non-residents don't exist in Wyoming and Colorado. So absolutely don't ask that question. Cause you look like an idiot. Um, so understanding the verbiage of these different types of tags is really important. So I'll, I'll break down the, the basic types of tags that a lot of States have. 
out West real quick. So you've got your lottery tags and your limited entry tags. Um, and those are basically typically harder to draw either based on a bonus or a preference point system. Tyler, your state has the most convoluted and ridiculous non-resident game regulations out of any state out there. Montana is like bonus points, preference points, combo tag, deer combo, uh, permit B, like it's wild. There's limited entry, there's general, I guess it's not that bad once you understand it, but they sure don't make it real easy to deer elk combo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Trust me. And like I said, I've lived here for five years and even every now and then I'm like, I don't even know what they're talking about at this point. I don't know if I'm supposed yeah. to apply for this. I think I'm just going to hunt general this year. Cause I know what I'm doing. So right. it's, it, right, it does get right. tough, but it is, you're, you're, you're dead right on uh, you know, you got to know what you're applying for and, because when you hunt Montana or any Western state, it's not cheap to do it. So you don't want to just waste money on applying for a tag that you're like, well, I'll, I'll this, right. this sounds good. Yeah. But in reality, it, it sucks, you know? And, and so doing yeah. your research and you, there's, there's plenty of websites like go hunt and they have a harvest report and, you know, they do, they do all their yeah. due diligence to, you know, give you guys the information on how to plan for a decent hunt. So if you just, go out there all willy nilly jump on a Facebook group and thinking somebody's going to give you their secret honey hole, then you know, you're going right. to end up empty handed and back home with a sore ass. Cause you're all butthurt. So it is what it is. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. There's, there, there's a bunch of nuance to it. When I tell you, this is embarrassing. When I tell you, I have no idea how long it took, but it took a significant amount of time for me to find out what the combo part of a combo deer tag or combo elk tag actually meant i was like what's what's the combo i'm getting what is it, it turns out it's small game and, and bird hunting right or is it fishing i don't even remember what it is in montana you know a lot know? of states will have fishing yeah a lot of states will have fishing yeah and i was like i couldn't figure out what the combo and that's was. something you got to check on that right yeah you could be up in wyoming and if you uh it's like up there if you have an elk tag uh, for that unit, you're hunting like general, uh, during that time, you're able to also like fish the streams in that area. So that was a big thing. Some of the guys did with when we were up there is they were fly fishing and catching these beautiful trout. So you really have to understand your regulations and what you're allowed to do because it's even outside of hunting, you can grab fishing inside with it. Right. And you want to double up if you can. Right. And then I guess the other type Absolutely. of tags, the other two are like your general tags and your OTC tags, your over the counter tags. And general tags, honestly, are probably some of the best kept secrets in a couple of these states. Utah has a great general elk tag, uh, it, spike only, but and then uh, Wyoming has a fantastic general tag for for deer and and for elk that only takes a couple points to draw. So, looking into these general tags that give you a big area, right? It's not a small limited entry uh, area, but they give you a lot of access to the west. Um, they're typically you have less of a chance of shooting a monster, although it happens every single year. Um, and you may not see as many animals as you would in a limited entry or, or a lottery region or unit. Um, but you know what you still get is you still get the experience of going out west and hunting. You still get to watch a sunrise and a sunset over the Wyoming plains or in the alpines of Colorado. Or I know, Bill, you've done some hunting in Alaska and on Kodiak Island and stuff like that. that those experiences are to me worth every single dollar. You know what I mean? Um, so if you want more of the experience and are less concerned with shooting a 320 inch bull, 
maybe a general tag or an over-the-counter tag is, is kind of the way to go. So you need to look at the different types of tags that are offered across the West and kind of see what fits your plan and your strategy. And I know, Bill, you and I have talked about this is this should be a, an entire podcast series that you and I are probably going to dive into uh, about Western hunting strategies. Um, that's going to take up some time. Yes, it will. And I mean, also, uh, one thing to add real quick to your verbiage, too. So uh, there's even some states, uh, majority of time resident, I uh, found living in Nevada there for a short bit was, uh, you know, deprivation tags. And I, I will tell you this. Uh, you know, hunting with a cousin of mine out there, um, deprivation tag. He had a cow tag. A lot of uh, guys we found were in these areas that had uh, bull tags. And I know we're talking muleys, but I want to make sure I get this out here because it's a big one. These guys were killing 300 plus inch to 350 inch elk on deprivation tags. Just for areas where these farmers with these big old, uh, you know, alfalfa fields. I mean, out west you find alfalfa. Uh, mule deer come in droves. Uh, you know, when I was out there hunting whitetails in Wyoming, uh, you know, big muleys were, and I, I, that, that was a tag that, you know, I could have shot a muley too. It just, you know, light was running out on us, but deprivation. So, you know, if you're in a state that has the ability to pull a deprivation tag, do your research and understand that that, that tag may pull you a big, uh, big bull uh, or whatever, but that's another one that's a, you know, a missed and no, not a lot of folks know about. Yeah, no, that's really great. There's a lot of uh, hidden gems and especially with people playing the point game and point creep and tags getting somewhat more difficult to draw for non-residents. Uh, there are some secret ins and outs, not necessarily loopholes, but things that should be put on your radar that uh, Bill, Tyler, and I will hopefully dive into on a full podcast episode. Um, yeah. You guys got anything else you want to add before we roll out of here? Um. One other thing, just Western hunting in general, um, you know, you got to be physically fit. I'm not, you don't need to be the next Cameron Haynes. Don't need to be running marathons a day. But the biggest thing that I see is, you know, everybody, and I was the same way, you know, I, once I got out of the military in, in Washington, you know, I came over here, the elevation's different. So there's less air. Um, these mountains are no punk. So they will break you if you let them. Um, if you don't train, you know, like I said, you don't need to be the next best marathon runner, but, um, you have to be able to get to where the animals are. And then if you get a big animal down, you need to be able to take everything out legally. So in Montana, it's all four quarters. And I believe the back straps, um, you have to legally by the law, you have to take those out. So, you know, if, you, if you're sucking wind and then you get to an animal and you kill it and you've got no weight on your back, you're, when you're pulling elk out, it's an 80 plus pound pack. And I know a lot of people think that, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. It, it's awful. It sucks. And there's no, there's no pack out there. That's the greatest pack. And it makes it feel light. It's still 80 pounds. It still sucks. So, um, you just have to be able to have that discipline in the off season to just, you know, eat healthy, get in the woods, work out. And so that way, when you get out in the woods to actually go out and pursue these animals that you do it justice and, and do it ethically. So, no, I had to echo what Tyler said, 100%. Uh, you know, you're going to go out west, uh, these guys in the East Coast, you know, growing up there, and, and they don't understand what's coming after them. You know, uh, when I hit Kodiak before I did that big hunt, it was, honestly, I let off of the weights a little bit and made sure I opened my cardio and, uh, and put the miles on and, and just prepared and put the pack on. I uh, came off the mountain with a big old, you know, Boone and Crockett, uh, Sitka pack was 115, still broke me off some, but at least I could get off the mountain 
with that animal intact and get back to the lodge and, uh, you know, have a great uh, trophy to, but it was all because of my nutrition and what I put into working out. Same thing with Wyoming this past year, uh, you know, did my nutrition a little bit differently because we were sitting at nine, 10,000 you know, feet and coming from a thousand foot in Kansas. Uh, and last thing I'll put out, Carter, a uh, big thing. I know we're going to hit on this coming up with some of these Western, uh, you know, hunts and the point systems. Uh, Utah is open. Uh, Bill's humble opinion, top three. You got to put it in Utah, especially some of you young guys. If you're in your 20s, like the 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 hunts you will go on if you put in, you know, I put in for literally every single species in Utah. The more I can get into Utah the, the rest of my life, the better. Uh, so get out there. Under, you know, researching Utah, figure out what you want to do, but you have to put in, you know, the Ponsagant and all those big hunts out there, those big muleys that we're talking about, something else. No, fantastic. Really appreciate it, guys. Um, that'll go ahead and wrap up this episode this week. Thanks for coming on this week, making your podcast debut with the Hunt, Lift, Eat team, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. Appreciate the interview. Absolutely, man. Great time here. Yeah, Tyler, where can uh, people find you on uh, Instagram? Yeah, you can find me on IG at a uh, big sky underscore tie. Um, I'm I've got Facebook. I don't really use Facebook, but that's going to be my main social media. So that's big sky underscore tie. That's awesome. And Bill, where can people find you if they want to check you out on Instagram? Yeah, on the gram, man, I, I got Bill Collins sixteen sixteen. That's me. You can find me there. I uh, got some good hunting stuff there, you know, a little taxidermy work going on. So, yeah, hit me up if you guys find me and we'll go from there. And you can always find me on Facebook. There's a lot of Bill Collins out there. So search around, look for that Kansas dude with, you know, hanging on the big bucks. That's me. <laughs> Fantastic, guys. I appreciate it. Um, by the time this one comes out, um, there will be one week left in the Hunt, Lift, Eat February Fitness Challenge. It is not too late to get signed up. You have a lot of ground to make up if you're joining with one week left. Uh, but if you work out 24 hours a day, you may be able to place in the top 10. So go ahead and check that out on Instagram at Hunt, Lift, Eat Official. And once again, appreciate you guys uh, coming on tonight and appreciate the hell out of you listeners. We'll talk to you all next week.